Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network on Yahoo Sports Radio. The Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download MyCleanPC.com software to clean up what may be slowing it down. That's MyCleanPC.com. We're also brought to you by Proactive, where for just $19.95, you can get Proactive Plus rotating deep cleansing brush valued at $45. But that's not the best part. You're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Just call 1-800-644-5944. That's 1-800-644-5944. We're calling all right. We're calling our next guest who's no stranger to this show. Yes, she was the star of our three days of programming at Super Bowl 50. And for good reason. Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com not only is a Hall of Fame voter, she knows what she is talking about. Mary Kay, what we talked about then, we're going to start with now, hopefully for the last time with you. But guess what? Johnny Manziel is back in the news with yet another video. I asked Ron earlier how the story is going to end. And I think how we, we know how it's going to end in Cleveland. But where do you think this guy is going to be in five years? Well, it all depends on if he can get a handle on the apparent, you know, substance issues. I mean, even now when he has everything at stake, you know, he's in trouble with the law. Uh, The whole NFL is watching him to see what he's doing. And even uh, in the face of all of this, he's still going out and and putting that bottle up to his lips and letting people photograph him like that. So right now, I'm going to say five years, he will be out of the NFL unless he turns around the drinking thing. Mary Kay, are you getting as tired of Johnny Menzel as I am? <laughs> yes, I really am. I, uh, I I am definitely ready to be done because uh, you know he, he really is an embarrassment to the organization. Uh, he's an embarrassment to the fans of Cleveland. He's a black mark uh, now on this town, and you know it's really difficult to to try to cover this situation because I mean you just can't take your eyes off the ball because at any given moment. Uh, there's a new Johnny Manziel story. just want to think, who, who's responsible for that pick? Was that an owner pick? Was that the GM pick? How, how did he end up going there in the, at the back of the first round? You know, nobody will really own up to it. I, you know, I think it was a combination. I think Ray Farmer says that he made the pick. But, you know, he really did want to draft at one point Teddy Bridgewater. Now, I don't know if he will ever uh, admit that. But, you know, it, it was brought to my attention, uh, you know, on pretty good authority that you know, at a certain point, he was he was all about Teddy Bridgewater, and then he switched allegiance and went over to Johnny Manziel. The conventional wisdom is that uh, that is what Jimmy Haslam wanted, and that you know Ray just kind of went along with it. So uh, that that's kind of the the story that I uh, you know feel is about as close as we're going to get to accurate. But if you'd gotten Bridgewater, uh, that would have changed the whole face of the franchise. Absolutely, and you know, and they had done a study. They did an analytics study, and and the answer came back Teddy and. Uh, they had the opportunity, obviously, to draft him. And, uh, you know, as we all know, you know, what happened on that day, uh, they went with Johnny Manziel instead. And it was a, it was quite a shocker, really. As he kept falling down the board, you know, I kept thinking, please do not do this. <laughs> do not do this. And uh, lo and behold, there he is at number 22, the magic number for the Browns at quarterback. I mean, they just keep following them through here at number 22. <laughs> Well, I'm uh, uh, I'm going to change the topic a little bit uh, because I'm tired of Johnny Manziel myself. I actually feel sorry for him. I think he's uh, you know he's obviously an alcoholic, and uh, as you pointed out earlier, you know, you wouldn't put all these things at risk 
if you had any control at all. So let's go to uh, uh, a guy who I'm confused about, as I'm often confused about most things, and that's Hugh Jackson. You know, I never quite got this sort of hot commodity, Hugh Jackson. I, you know, he was five years as uh, offensive coordinator with four teams. Uh, they were never uh, only once better than 15th in the league in offense. Uh, he was eight and eight with the Raiders, and you know, lost a job in a year because he tried to, you know, become Al Davis when he wasn't Al Davis. Why is this guy a hot commodity, and why should the people of Cleveland believe that Hugh Jackson's got the answers to their problems? Well, you know, he, he gained, uh, you know, he really, you know, rebuilt his reputation as, you know, an offensive, uh, you know, just genius, really, while he was down in Cincinnati and. Uh, the things that he was able to do last year and help Andy Dalton get things turned around and, uh, you know, the creative play calling and, and the way that offense was operating, uh, you know, that was one thing. Uh, the other thing is I think a lot of people uh, feel that he didn't really get uh, a fair shake uh, with the Raiders because of, you know, Al Davis died that year. And, and you know, it, it's difficult to overcome some of those things and he had a lot on his plate. I think the Browns liked the fact that he – uh, has that year under his belt. He's made those rookie mistakes. And, boy, I've seen plenty of coaches come through here, um, <laughs> you know, like 15 or so just in the last three years, I feel like. Um, <laughs> but I've seen plenty of rookie coaches come through here and make a lot of those first-year mistakes that you make with how you're going to handle the quarterback controversy and how you're going to handle the media and all those things. He's got all of that under his belt. But I think, first and foremost, he has a way with players. And you know what? Again, it is the honeymoon period right now, but it seems that players really, really enjoy playing for him, want to play for him. He's got a great reputation uh, for that sort of thing. So I do know I've talked to enough Browns players by now that are really excited about him, and uh, you know, and, and some of them that want to stay here because of him. Plus, Mary Kay, you know that 8-8 eight eight record with the Raiders, for what it's worth, it's the best record they've had since 2002 when they were in the Super Bowl. So, uh, anyway, it counts for something, I'd hope. Um, we're speaking with Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com. She's also a Hall of Fame voter. And, Mary Kay, uh, it's generally assumed your team is going to pick a quarterback with that first pick unless Tennessee were to trade out of the top spot, which I'm not sure they are going to. The Browns have their choice of anyone out there. So who's their choice? Well, you know what? Right now, I, I'm going to say Carson Wentz. I watched him at the Senior Bowl. Uh, I watched him very closely there. Uh, and then I, you know, just got back from the Combine, uh, you know, listened to him in his interview, have studied him, have watched, uh, you know, a bunch of highlights of him and, and Jared Goff. And, you know, I've just put the two of those guys side by side. And I, I keep coming back to Carson Wentz. That's just my gut feeling right now. Uh, now, does that mean that, that there's a general consensus amongst the Browns that that's what they're going to do? I bet there's not right now because uh, I think, you know, who, Hugh Jackson, who was once an assistant at Cal, has heard phenomenal things about Jared Goff. He's got a lot of people uh, in his ear uh, touting Jared Goff. So I, I'm guessing that, uh, you know, that he's got Jared on, on the mind right now. But, you know, the more you watch of Carson Wentz, the more you talk to people. And I've talked to a number of, of, of high-level uh, personnel executives that really do believe that he is the real deal. I know it's risky coming out of uh, North Dakota State, but you know what? I, I don't know. I, it's just my gut right now, Carson Wentz. Do you think they'd play him that first year? I mean, that's a huge step. I think Phil, Phil Sims is the last one to make any kind of step like that. That was 1979. Well, you know what? I think what they, I think he probably would play some in his first year. I think the the prudent thing to do would be to start Josh McCown, who can still win football games if he has right. some talent around him. Uh, I think they should start Josh McCown 
regardless of, of whether or not they think Carson Wentz is ready. I think they should practice some restraint and sit him down for the first four or five games of the season, regardless of what of how he looked in training camp. And I would let him watch. Uh, I would let him watch Josh McCown uh, play some football while he assimilates uh, the offense and while he, you know, absorbs the uh, the playbook and gets acclimated to pro life and all of those other things. And then at, after four or five, maybe six games, reevaluate it. And if he seems ready, throw him on in there. He's a very bright young man. I don't think he has had a, had a B in any class uh, since he was like six or something like that. He's a, he's a straight A student. Uh, he's very, very bright. You know, he probably could handle playing some football in his first year, but not in the first quarter, at least. Mary Kay, we're going to have to practice some restraint here and say goodbye to you. Unfortunately, <laughs> we're out of time. But hey, uh, congratulations on being almost football free, as in Johnny football. And, and thanks for joining us again. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Mary Kay. Thanks, Mary Kay. That was Hall of Fame voter Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Up next, Oakland running back Latavius Murray. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network.